you would bow with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for your wisdom, guidance, and direction as we seek to understand uh, how we ought to live. Um, and we just praise you for the opportunity to think about that this morning. Pray that you would be honored in all that we uh, talk about today. And we pray that you would reveal more clearly uh, where we need to be and, and how we ought to live. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, we would do so. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> I don't know the last time that I talked about this uh, particular subject. Um, we are going to be looking this morning at the first resolution of Jonathan Edwards. We, uh, we have covered that maybe a couple of times over the last couple of years. Um, and I think it's just something for me personally uh, that I need to kind of go back to somewhat regularly. Uh, Mike Smith said to me several times, man, we need to cover that again. This is one of those things where I would say, man, we need to cover that again. And we need to reflect on how we can live in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord. And uh, like I said, some of you have heard much of what we'll talk about today, but it's like you're only going to remember, you know, like a small percentage of that. So, you know, maybe the more times over the next several years you hear it, uh, the better uh, off you'll be. So one of the things, um, Jonathan Edwards, uh, if you know anything about him, uh, you know that he lived in the 18th century and he was uh, a pastor of a church. He was um, uh, president of Princeton. He uh, did mission work in, uh, among the American Indians. I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that he was involved in. He was a great philosopher. Like he wrote substantially about all types of subjects. Um, he actually, uh, one time, I, I don't know where I read this. I, maybe it was an article where like uh, he comes out and uh, he studied so much and all that and wrote so much that he came out one time like four months after harvest and asked his wife, is it, is it time for harvest? You know, like he had been in his study not thinking about it. And so you're like, what is wrong with this cat? But anyway, he was like a great thinker and, and writer and he, um, at a very early age, he, um, the Lord worked in his heart and saved him and he wrote, before he was 20, some resolutions, uh, 70 of them. And they were just, um, uh, those resolutions for him, the way he thought about it was, I just want to review these at the end of every week and the end of every, maybe month, and the end of every year. And just think about how I am living my life and ensure that I'm, I, I have the right priorities. And so he was thinking about that. Now, some of you may be goal-oriented or you may not be. I mean, some of you may say, yeah, I don't really dig goals. And this thing quit on me here. I think the battery just kind of. So some of you may be goal-oriented people. Some of you may not be. Uh, some of you may say, well, I don't really think about those things. Um, or, or, you know, some people may write them all down at the end of every year. You kind of have checked them off or throughout the year. Some of you don't. Some of you just maybe just spend your life uh, just kind of saying like, hey, I just take it as it comes, you know. And so um, one of the things that I think with Jonathan Edwards, certainly he was young. Uh, he didn't have some of the responsibilities of life that would come later. He, um, there are things he, in the 70 resolutions that you might be like, oh, my goodness, are you serious, you know. But, but I think what's helpful today is to say, 
to be resolved, to live a resolved life is healthy for us. To have a desire to uh, live for what is good and right to the best of our ability is healthy for us. To have some way of thinking about what that is is healthy for us. So I think for some of us too, we may kind of look at things sometimes and say, well, um, I don't really like resolutions because what if I fail to live up to them? Or I don't really like resolutions or goals because um, I think it'll turn me into a legalist and I don't really want that. I mean, some of you may have all these different excuses. And I would just say that there are some likely things that could happen. You could turn a resolution into legalism if you thought, when I set this goal and if I achieve it, God's going to love me more. The only way to make him happy with me is by me having goals, achieving them, and then him saying, oh, I accept you now. You're good enough. That's a legalistic kind of thing. Um, and so in that sense, we would say, no, we don't want to do that. What we want to do is say, okay, we want to live to the glory of God. We want to honor the Lord. We're not trying to appease him. Um, we are doing it out of a response of like wanting to honor him because we already are in good standing with him. Another thing that happens with people is um, maybe you strive to please men. So you have a group of friends and they're all kind of uh, setting these goals. And so you want to, I don't know, if you were really into missions, you would want to travel to a lot of different places so that you could like pull out your passport Fill it open and be like, see these five places I've been? How many mission trips you been on? You know, I mean, whatever. So we might have something like that where we are trying to build ourselves up in, in before men. So one thing is like, okay, God's going to accept me. Another reason that we could do resolutions in the wrong way is other people will accept me. But a third way would be, we should strive for godliness out of gratitude and with the goal of glorifying God, blessing others, and finding joy. So that's not a bad deal. If I want to honor him, living a resolved life to honor him, to bless other people for my own satisfaction and joy, like that's not a bad thing. And so for all of us, I think we have to consider that. now. With regard to thinking about the new year and being resolute, another thing just to consider is this. The Lord helps us in our resoluteness. You know what the scripture says? He disciplines those he loves. Job 5, 17, blessed is the, the, the one whom God reproves, therefore um, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. So God is in the business of disciplining you. Psalm 94, 12, blesses the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your law. So God is in the business of changing you, of making you new, of renewing aspects of you. Proverbs 3, 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Why? Because the Lord is disciplining those he loves. He's training them. He's directing their paths. He is, he is refining them. 
So then you might say, well, if the Lord's doing that, do I need to do that? Like if the Lord's, he's got this. Well, the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, Paul said, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What's he saying? God disciplines us, I'm disciplining myself. Titus 1.8, be hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and the one to come. So I just think for us, we say, okay, there's this guy, Jonathan Edwards, in his youth saying, I want to live a resolved life. You say, do I want to live a resolute life? Some of you say, eh. Be like, well, that's not really a good answer. Eh is not a good answer. The answer is, yes, I want to live a resolute life. And you might say, what does that look like? We're going to talk about that. I want to live a resolute life because God is working in me to change me. And as a Christian, if God is doing that, if I want to align myself with his will, I'm going to be pursuing the same. Does that make sense? I don't know if y'all act like y'all got those holiday like. I felt like that this morning. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through, you know. But anyway, I understand that. But we're going to keep pursuing godliness, right? Okay, let's, let's, so that, I just kind of put all that together to help you think about that. And hopefully um, it will be a blessing to you. And we're going to get there to this first resolution. But just give me a moment. One other thing that Jonathan Edwards did was when he started these resolutions, he started with a statement. And he says, being sensible that I'm unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to his will for Christ's sake. So I would just say to that, to say, like, we have to say, um, and, I, and I've told you this, but I just want to keep reminding you, I had this guide one time that was walking me through, um, he was a, a Jewish guide, he was walking me through these different places, and he would always say, we're going to do da-da-da-da-da with God's help. We're going to do da-da-da-da-da-da with God's help. And John, Jonathan Edwards is saying, I want to live a resolved life, ensuring that I'm doing it rightly, and with God's help, I'm pursuing this. Just, I just, I want to, and I need him. Can't do this on my own. Okay, so let's read the resolution real quick. <coughs> I think it, yes, okay, here it is. Resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to the glory of God and my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration without any consideration of time, whether now or never so many myriads of ages hence. Resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty. And most for the good and the ad advantage of mankind in general. Resolve so to do. Whatever difficulties I meet with, how many soever, 
and how great soever. So where, where does he start? His first resolution is all-encompassing. It, it is kind of a summary statement. It's, a, it's like a life mission statement. And so we have to think and, and, and consider, and this is how I'm going to move through it, we're going to take the different sections of those resolutions, and I'm just going to talk about them just for a moment. And we're going to see how he built that out of a biblical understanding. So, first aspect of that. Resolve that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to the glory of God. Now, what, what does that mean? To... to to live for the glory of God or in light of the glory of God, it starts with an understanding of what makes God the most precious thing in your life. What makes God the most important thing? And that is like sometimes when you think of glory in the scripture, it can deal with weight or brilliance. And it's saying, when I see him, it, you think of... <coughs> Isaiah 6, where Isaiah saw God. And if you'll remember, it was a mirror into his soul. And he saw him, and he saw himself, and he said, like, I'm a man of unclean lips, among people of unclean lips. Like, he saw his sinfulness, his brokenness, and then... His response was, the Lord said, I need to send someone. He said, wherever you want to send me, I'll go. Right? Moses asked the Lord, show me, in Exodus 33, show me your glory. I want to see you. Now, some people, um, when they think about, I don't know, church or um, uh spiritual experiences or whatever at church it might be like did you see the building or whatever maybe or it might be something like did you hear that speaker they're the greatest speaker you know and it's like and or, or it's like did you hear the way they would sing and they just kind of like get all caught up in that and everything is like when they start talking about stuff a lot of times when you visit with them you're like that seems like there's not that much emphasis on God like, however that happened in you, God is not the center of this. Man is. And so they kind of like exalt men. And that's something that's dangerous for all of us. But it, it's like when Moses was asking, God, let me see you. He's asking, Lord, display yourself to me. I want to understand your weightiness. I want to understand your brilliance. I want you to display yourself to me open up yourself to me i want to get a vision of your glory I, I let me capture that the lord responded to him in exodus 33 i will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. The Lord just unveils himself before him so he could see him. Like, that's the greatest need 
that you and I have. It's to see God clearly, as clear as we possibly can, in the words of Scripture, by the power of the Spirit, let me see Him. What, what does that require? It requires that you gather with a group of people that are actually expounding on God. That's important. It's, it requires you to sit and to contemplate who God is, to spend time with Him. <coughs> it, spend, it, it takes time to understand and grasp the weightiness of God. Now, what happens when somebody sees God? Like, one thing that happens is they begin to forget about themselves. That's like when I spend time with somebody and I kind of see where they're at or what they, you know, they're telling me what they think about this or that or whatever. If, if I hear them being like, well, I, me, 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 I'm like, are you spending time before with God? Are you seeing God? And that's, I mean, really, that's, are, are you spending time like dwelling on him? Because that's the goal. It's, it's to press into seeing the Lord. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So what happens when somebody sees Him? When somebody understands who He is and grasps? It's what Edward says here. Resolve to live most to God's glory. Edwards wanted to ascribe glory to God. <clears throat> There's a place in Titus where it says that um, you might adorn the doctrine of God. What does it mean to adorn something? Many of you this Christmas probably adorned your house with Christmas stuff. When people see that, what do they say? They prepared for Christmas, right? They have adorned their house with Christmas stuff, and you're thinking about Christmas. They may have put scents in their house, um, <clears throat> a tree. They may have lights on the outside. All this stuff. It, it's, it's, the idea here is that someone who has seen the Lord wants to, in turn, display him that's that's how you know that you're really pressing into the lord when you want to reflect him another way to say that would be like good theology good understanding of god produces good doxology that is good praise of god it just reflect it comes out of that great understanding a grasp a seeing of the lord the, the, the way you know that that's really transforming your life is that then you want to live a life of praise. Matthew 5.16, in the same way, <coughs> let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That is, that you would put it on display. Now, the second thing that Jonathan Edwards knew is not only do you want to live to the glory of God, but also to my own good profit and pleasure. Is that crazy? Because you sometimes we think, if I do what God says, I'm not sure I'm going to be the happiest person. 
right? Because like he wants hard things out of me. He calls me to live uh, in a hard way sometimes. The kingdom of heaven is not presented as like <clears throat> entering into that as like ease and comfort, all those things. What he says is, though, if I'm to live to the glory of God, it will be to my own good profit and pleasure. Have you ever seen somebody like that? When you're in that right state of like, I want to offer my life back up to the Lord, you're not this begrudging servant. Right? It's not like you're someone who is like, miserable about living for God he's saying I mean not that you don't face things that are some misery as you walk with the Lord but it, you know in your heart as you're walking through that that your good and benevolent God is with you he's with you and he is about your good profit and pleasure he is about building into your life things that will be long-term fruit that you may not see in the quarter. I mean, it's just the reality. So many things in life that you are working towards to the glory of God means that you work at them and you move and move and move and move. And sometimes you think, <clears throat> I just worked and worked and worked. I haven't seen anything. You know, or whatever you might be struggling with. But the reality is, is you think, okay, who is God? What has he revealed about himself? Can I trust him? Is this for my good? If I am his child, I can without a doubt say, what he's doing in my life is perfect. Yeah, that helped. <laughs> Thank you. Third thing. He says, I want to live most to the glory of God. I believe this to be good for, for my good and profit and pleasure. Third, in the whole of my duration without any consideration of time, whether now or never, so many myriads of ages hence. So what is he saying? The question is, how long? How often? He's saying continually. He's saying both in this life and the one to come. I, I want to ascribe glory to God. I want to honor God. I, I, that's, that's what I long to do. I, I don't want to ever stop doing that. It's not like, you know how you retire in this life sometimes? It's not like a retirement from giving glory to God. That, it's not, there's, in his mind, you will always have that occupation throughout eternity. That's kind of the picture. And that will be for his profit and pleasure throughout eternity, right? Fourth thing, resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Hmm. So it's not just I want to glorify God and in glorifying God, I know that that's going to be for my own joy but beyond that, I'm looking even beyond myself and saying like, this is for the good of others. And I read that verse, Matthew 5, 16 earlier. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. 
like a byproduct of you living to the glory of God is that you would bless other people. So you ever met somebody who's like, <clears throat> as quick as I can, I like to get away from serving people. I, I just want to be away from people. Like, I, it's... To live a, a, an isolated life away from people is to live a life not wanting to ascribe glory to God before a watching world. To seek to alienate yourself and kind of like put a wall around your life where others cannot see, cannot touch, cannot feel, cannot hear. To do that is to live in direct opposition to the call of God on our lives, which is to display His glory to the nations. It's to, to give of ourselves to others. As we seek to glorify God in all that we do, it is for the good and advantage of mankind in general. It, this has the idea of loving your neighbor, being a productive citizen, a productive worker, a better husband or wife. It, it's, you're saying like, I want to glorify God. I want to bless others. Glorifying God and blessing others is where joy is found, is what Jonathan Edwards is saying. The heart of living the Christian life is to live to the glory of God and the good of others. And you might even say, well, let me just, if somebody were to say, well, talk to me about how Jesus lived. That's what you see. As he ascribed glory to the Father, he's blessing other people. And you see that on display throughout his whole ministry. Jesus didn't, uh, like a king, a sovereign maybe in this world, who would isolate himself from the people. Like I heard, I heard some like kind of like health and wealth preacher thing, uh, watched a video not too long ago, and they were like, we can't fly in like normal airplanes, you know, to go and do our ministry because there's like demons in there. You know, it was like this kind of deal. And it was like, we can't, you get around all those people. I mean, all the stuff, the dirt that's going to get on us spiritual like you know like the the glory that we can like display and you know to the multitudes is like going to be um diminished if we ride in one of those planes with all those normal people i was like oh my goodness and people were like still like we got to make sure we keep him on his jet you know or whatever i think it's crazy okay but i say that to say that's just, we, we want to understand that like those go hand in hand. Um, seeing God, um, enjoying God, ascribing glory to God, and blessing humanity. Those are not separated things. Like, like and, and it would be like this. You can't say, I am loving Christ with my whole life, and then say, but I hate my wife, just as a side note. And my kids, distraction from that, right? That's not what you, you would say. Whoa, hold on just a second, Tiger. Like, what, what, you, what are you talking about here? Loving the Lord with your whole being 
what runs alongside that is wanting to display to wherever you go his glory, to ascribe glory to him, to point others to him. And so to the advantage of mankind in general, this also has an emphasis on missions. Psalm 96.3 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. It ignites a passion for proclaiming the gospel to the whole world. Now, fifth, resolve to so to do whatever difficulties I meet with and how many soever and how great soever. Now, this is kind of shocking to me a little bit when I think about it, especially in light of he's saying my joy, you know, for my profit and pleasure and all. You're thinking, one, you're spending time before the face of God, you're exalting him, you're serving others, and it's for your benefit and joy and all that stuff. And then you throw in at the end whatever difficulties I meet with. Does that mean that like living to the glory of God and the good of others is going to be costly? Really? It's going to cost me something? It's going to be like painful at times? There's going to be difficulty there? And I would say, yes. It, the, 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 like in this life, in a fallen world, you will face difficulty. Matthew 10, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew 10, 25, it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, that is like Satan, how much more will they malign those of his household? 2 Timothy 3.12 Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So he's saying, resolve to live most to the glory of God. That is to honor him, to see him and to honor him. I know that's for my benefit, that's for my pleasure, that's for my joy. I also know that that will mean that I will encounter humanity and bless them. I want to do that for the whole of my life on into eternity. And while I'm here on this earth, I know that that will be accompanied by trouble. That's kind of the big picture of this. So, do you have the power to do it? In yourself? No. But has he given us in his grace, enabling grace? Yes. Do we need to pray, Lord, let me walk in that grace? Yes. Do we sometimes think that like there's no way this is going to produce joy? Absolutely. But he promises us like true joy comes through the knowledge of him, drawing close to him. Do we think this is going to be easy? No. What will we war against? Things inside and things on the outside. Should we think to ourselves, victory will never come? No. Final victory, and we kind of saw that today, but final victory is yet to come, and you will see little victories along the way.
You just kind of know that. But you just kind of have to keep looking towards the end. Are you called upon by God to live this life alone? That's another big question. Are you supposed to live alone? Alienated? Like Lone Ranger Christian? Like all by myself? Like I'm going to get us out of this mess? No. Scripture clearly reveals over and over, you do this within the context of a believing community as you await the restoration of all things. You don't do it alone. It's crazy. You don't have the gifting. You don't have all the stuff to be able to do that. And so you strive together with a body of believers. And so I hope you will do that this year. And maybe you could sit down and consider how with the opportunities I have, the skill set that I have, um, how can I ensure that I am making the most of my life? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for you to give each one of us clarity about who we have been gifted to be, how, how we are able to bless this body, how we're able to bless in our families, how we're able to bless... Uh, out in the world as we encounter people we pray that you would show those things to us and then we would commit be committed to doing it regardless of what difficulties we face and i pray that we would do so alongside one another in christ's name amen